Shepherding from the Pulpit on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. Once again, on the podcast, I am delighted to have Pastor Rick Holland here with us. He's a pastor of Mission Road Bible Church in Prairie Village, Kansas. He is married to uh, Kim Holland for 26 years. Praise the Lord for that. We love, Summer and I love getting to know Rick and Kim, and we've been blessed certainly by their ministry at Mission Road. He's been there for a little over 10 years, and man, just excited to see some of the things that the Lord is doing. And we get an upfront seat, uh, a front row seat, if you will, to uh, to watch what, what the Lord is doing among this congregation. It's, it's a fun thing. And as my own personal pastor, we're not talking about hypothetical things here. It's fun to, to watch how he and the other elders um, do this very thing that we're talking about today, shepherding from the pulpit. So, Rick, what, what I want to do, if we can, is sort of transition into talking about this this issue. And, and it can be a delicate thing. I see uh, so much with, with some younger guys where either there's there's not a lot of tact, honestly, from the pulpit, and or there's just a fear to talk about some issues, right, from the pulpit. But I want you to just talk for a second. How do you, as the main preaching pastor, uh, sort of process and think through uh, good ways to shepherd the congregation that you serve through uh, through preaching and through your ministry in the pulpit? Well, it's a great question. Uh, thank you, Dale. We love having you and your family involved in our church. I know your your background is a baseball player, and um, when when you look at baseball, and you, I, I love watching baseball. My wife actually loves it as well. You know, you, you look at a pitcher, and a pitcher is usually judged by how many pitches he has. And it's rare to find a guy without three pitches. Some guys have up to six pitches. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to remember, we need to remember that on Sunday morning, we have we have more than one fastball sermon. We have the announcements. We have the songs. We have the transitions. We have the scripture reading. We have the pastoral prayer. All of these things are public declarations about our theology, and they're, they're all uh, syringes in which we can inject good biblical thinking. Mm-hmm. And so probably inherent in your question is, is the presupposition that you're being deliberate, you're mm-hmm. being intentional, mm-hmm. that you think this through. Now, let me back up. Every Tuesday, we have a service review time with our staff where we go through every single element painstakingly from the opening to the announcements, to the songs, to the pace, to the pitch, to the volume, uh, to the sermon, to the illustrations, to the application, to the conclusion, to the prayer room. And we look at it all and say, how can we do better next week? Mm-hmm. And then we also look ahead at what's coming so that Aaron's looking at what I'm preaching on and, and how the songs relate and who's going to do announcements and what we need to say. So some of it we've learned the hard way comes down to being intentional in, in looking at the entire hour and 15, hour and a half. How can we use all of that for shepherding people and understanding that they can each element can be used to shepherd a heart? So um, we can talk about the sermons, we can talk about announcements, but that those are those are opportunities to address God's people in God's way. Yeah, so I think uh, that's so important that you, you're distinguishing not just um, limiting you're shepherding from the, the time that you're opening God's Word to exposit, right? I mean, that, that's certainly where our mind goes, and, and we're doing that as pastors to a great degree from the pulpit, but it, exp- it expands beyond that. One, one of the things that I think I've been struck by personally is, is how you guys as elders use the, that time to engage your people. Um, 
with issues that are going on, ways that you're reminding the congregation to pray, or or even moments where you're standing up there before a, a host of a hundred, couple hundred people, but you're talking directly to one of your congregants to encourage them and to to edify them and to to build them up. You're modeling a couple of things, but you're also being such a great encouragement directly at that at that moment, shepherding that individual. But you're shepherding your people on on how to go about ministering, and that's one of the things that I that I see. Uh, maybe as a weakness of of some pastors in knowing how to engage in that way, uh, almost fearing to engage in that way. And so I want to commend you for that, but then also just remind pastors, it, it's okay that if you do it in a tactful way to address issues that someone may be going through that that are already public, right? Somebody passed or somebody's very, very sick or or, or something like that, where you can you can engage those issues even in a public way that that's biblical, and encouraging, and, and truly shepherds the heart and models that for your people. So as you think now, let's turn you know where most people's mind goes to the, the, the preaching of the Word. Um, how, how do you process the way in which you're shepherding? I mean, if you think about it, you, you have multiple weeks of the year, right, um, 48 or so or, or 50 weeks of the year that, that you're standing and you're, you're proclaiming God's Word to, to, um, to His people. How do you think through the process of using that time to encourage them with the Word, to truly shepherd these people who are sitting uh, that God has entrusted to you? Yeah, it's. I think I've grown in that over the years, Dale. I, I, early in my ministry, I remember my my heart being so, I think, rightly pulled toward, you have to get the hermeneutics right. You have to get the text right. Preaching is public hermeneutics, and you've got to get the text right, the text right, the text right. That's completely a part mm-hmm. of the process. But there's one more element to that, which is looking at God's providence. He brought this text to this people in this week at this time, and to think how should and can this the the truth of this text land on our people practically at Applicationally, you know, just recently I was doing a sermon out of Ephesians one, and I was struck by, and told the 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 body that there's a there's a false dichotomy that you know there's the theology and there's praxis, mm-hmm. and and all theology has to be practical, and all praxis has to be rooted in theology, and once we bifurcate those, mm-hmm. then the sermon becomes a public Bible study instead of a shepherd's crook, and so I'm always mindful that. You know, I, this last Sunday I preached on forgiveness. That mm-hmm. there, it's not just being forgiven, but there, it's forgive. There, there are things, and this is just being informed with the congregation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know that there are people who are struggling with being forgiven, and people mm-hmm. who are struggling with forgiving, and so it's exegeting your audience mm-hmm. alongside the text without violating the authorial intent of the text. See, I, man, I could not agree more with that statement. I, I think. So many guys, and I don't want to downplay this, they, they get the text right, but they're speaking it in such a generic way, mm-hmm. it doesn't deal with the specifics of their own congregation. And that limits their ability in First Peter 5, 2, to, to shepherd this flock of God that is among them. That's one of the things that, that I think the Puritans did super well is, you know, I, I talk about this in relationship to, to parenting, right? One of the ways that I'm called to disciple my own children, okay? And as I disciple my own children, one of the most critical pieces of, of the, the text that we see consistently, Deuteronomy 6 and Psalm 78 and Ephesians chapter 6, yeah, we're supposed to be doing lots of things, but one of the things that, that te- those texts assume is that we are with our mm-hmm. children. And that's one of the missing pieces, I think, even in pastoral ministry is, yes, we're to preach and to teach and to be faithful expositionally to the Word and 
No one should ever downplay that at all in the technicalities of that. But being with your people matters so much in the ways in which you communicate that truth in specific application to them. And that becomes just exponentially beneficial in the, in the shepherding role that you have, that you can communicate it in such a way. And that's the beauty of a pastor engaging in counseling ministry. That's the beauty of the pastor truly engaging his people outside of your normal church meetings is you have the ability to, to, to do that, to think about specific issues and dy- dynamics and ways that you can communicate the truths of these texts that's really edifying to your people and encouraging to them. So, so let's think about this. I mean, we've, we've heard, I think it's Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones who said that he thinks about the, the public preaching ministry as uh, as sort of a corporate counseling type situation. And, and um, while I, I agree to some extent, I wouldn't think about it as some sort of quote unquote group therapy, right? I mean, right. but there is this sense at which in your public proclamation that you are engaging in soul care. Talk about the benefit of engaging in soul care as you proclaim the word publicly. Well, I think inherent in the question is the answer because public proclamation of God's word has got to be more than just an exegetical exercise. If that's the case, get the word biblical commentary, read it on Sundays and sit down. Mm. You know the people, you know the issues. And it's kind of funny, Dale, I've had so many people over the years say something like, wow, it felt like you were preaching right at me. And my answer is always, well, well, I I was. (laughs) And, you know, 600 others as well. Um, But if you know that now that doesn't mean that you're you're covertly you know preaching against the guy in row three right but but if the you have to know about the guy in row three mm-hmm. and you have to know what's going on in your church and the the wonderful part about consecutive exposition is you don't pick the text or the topic the text and the topic picks you uh-huh. so for example this last week when I preached on forgiveness I, I knew that there was an issue and there was a lady just to, not to belabor the point who came to me yesterday after that sermon who wanted to talk about these issues I knew about that issue and her bitterness and lack of forgiveness before the sermon now was I preaching to her well, well yes and no uh-huh. of course I was but I was preaching to the congregation every text brings an issue that is, whether we want to call it counseling or discipleship, that is in, intended to care for the soul by increasing their theological acumen mm-hmm. and also deepening their understanding of their need for that and self-identifying their, their sin that needs to be corrected. Mm-hmm. So that's that's got to be in play as you're thinking. And it's not in competition with getting the text right. It's in applying the text. It's finding the implication. What does this text imply? Not just apply, but imply for the believer sitting in the room and also for the unbeliever. Mm-hmm. It's a great gospel opportunity. So Yeah, that's right. And, and it's knowing in advance sort of how your people are wrestling with this particular truth, you know, in their lack of obedience to this truth or how they're, they're struggling in, in their own trial with this particular issue. And that allows you exactly. to, to say things a bit more specifically. I talk about this with my counseling students all the time, that, that when you're doing data gathering, you're, you're hearing what's going on from the counselee. When you identify a problem generically, then you will use the text generically and and they will apply the text generically. And and I think this is the 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 deeper sort of expression of of how we communicate the text because we know those nuances that people are wrestling wrestling with. And and the beauty, listen, let's not dismiss the 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 role of the Holy Spirit in all this, right? Is when we are faithful to publicly proclaim 
the truths of Scripture and then the, the implications or the applications of that. We, we see the Holy Spirit apply that in a thousand different mm-hmm. ways to the, to the variability of ears that are listening uh, in their particular given situation. Now, as you think about the, the shepherding piece and, and even the public proclamation, guys who think like you and I do about expositional preaching, I see so many guys who sort of devalue the 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 relationship between counseling slash discipleship and the public proclamation, and they sort of put those things in two different areas of expertise and two different sort of lanes or arenas, right? But it makes sense to me. I, I think this is a part of the, the confusing piece to me. But it makes sense to me that the guys who believe in expositional preaching that approach shouldn't change when you get one on one. Okay, so let let's let me build a scenario for you. You know, you and I believe that when we stand up and we proclaim the word expositionally, that that God, uh, through His Spirit, is going to take the truth of that word, and the Spirit's going to do the work that Jesus talks about in John fourteen to seventeen. Uh, he's going to illuminate. He's going to convict. He's going to guide people into truth. He's going to help them to understand. And we believe that that work is happening when mm-hmm. we publicly proclaim. Why do you think it is, Rick, that when we leave that sacred desk on a platform where we're preaching to you know. 50 or several hundred people, why do, you, why do you think our mindset as pastors change when we get into an office one-on-one with somebody or in a, in a coffee shop one-on-one with somebody? Why is it that, that pastors, to some degree, who think like us about expositional preaching, uh, why do you think it is that they struggle in that moment to think that the, the same word can be just as effective one-on-one in, in terms of quote-unquote counseling? Yeah, there, there could be a lot of answers to that. My own experience is early in my ministry, it was hard for me because I'd been trained so well, I think, in, in exposition, expository preaching. It was hard for me to, to ditch the notion that my sermon was a speech. Mm. It was a proclamation, which it is. Yep. But the mindset over the years changed to, no, this is, this is a shepherd's crook. Mm. This, is, this is an on-ramp into people's thinking and minds, it's corrective, it's nutheteo, it's building up, it's, it's also correcting, it's, it's encouraging, it's, it, there's, there, there's many um, parakaleo mm-hmm. coming alongside nature's uh, aspects of that that, are, that that come along with that. It was thinking differently about that proclamation. And some of that, honestly, if I'm going to be brutally honest, is, is just pride where you, you, get, you have to ditch, this is a speech for which I'm going to be evaluated and change the mindset to this is a chance for me to talk to people about their hearts and God's mm-hmm. and to bring those two together, hopefully, so that they're joined well enough that you walk away and there's a, there's a connection there with them. So I think it just, it's, it was subtle for me over the years, but to change the mindset from a public speech to a public proclamation that's helping the soul. If, it sounds pretty simple, but it was just a mindset difference that that changed. Yeah, I, I agree. I think let's take that a step further. Last question on this one, but take it a step further. And when we see effective preaching ministry, okay, what, what we see is the effect of the, the Spirit in, in terms of comfort, in terms of conviction of sin, in terms of correction. And what I love about the beauty of the preaching of the Word in the church is it actually raises to the surface the, the need for consistent one-on-one pastoral shepherding and one-anothering yes. because the Word begins to draw out of the human heart things that we can't do with anything else, right? I mean, the, the Word is the only thing by the power of the Spirit that that brings that stuff out of Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. It's true, right? It, it 
unveils the things that are hidden. Uh, it cuts sharper like a two-edged sword, division of joint marrow, soul, and spirit, thoughts, and intentions of the heart. I mean, this is what the living Word of God does. So pastors, don't disconnect, right, this idea of your faithful preaching and what it brings to the surface. And oftentimes, that actually raises the ante for your your elders to make sure that you're shepherding well because of what the Word brings out of people, it now demands that we engage at a higher level in shepherding. Sort of talk about that relationship, Rick. I mean, you've been doing this for for a lot of years where you've seen faithful preaching is not in competition with counseling and soul care. It's actually, it enhances it. It becomes necessary because you're dealing with a lot of those issues corporately, but it also raises a lot of those issues and empowers the congregation to then care well for one another. So just just talk through that. Yeah, I, you know, I, there, again, another subtle shift that's happened in my mind since the, when I graduated seminary, of, of which I loved my seminary education. You know, preach the word is a strong imperative, but so is shepherd the flock. Mm. And I, I've shifted a little bit, Dale, from thinking of myself as a preacher who does pastoral work. I, I really feel like I'm a pastor who mm. preaches. I'm a shepherd who preaches. There's a whole lot more time between Monday morning and Saturday night than there is on Sunday. Mm. And so um, it, it, they feed each other. Hopefully my pulpit ministry invites people to come into my office. Mm. And what I do in the office, in, or, or many times Kim and me with, with our on our couch in my house, invites them to have credibility in the pulpit. But there's the other dimension you talked about with uh, the elders. I don't want to be solitary and the only expert. So mm-hmm. most of the time, Kim and I will meet someone once, twice, even up to a half a dozen times, and then we want to give them to someone who can give them long-term care and so that I'm not the only clinician in the church mm-hmm. who can provide yeah. uh, you know, soul care. Um, and that that also includes another whole podcast someday about training your leaders, training people, yeah. training shepherds, extending pastoral care through care groups, discipleship, whatever. So, but the pulpit feeds to counseling. Counseling gives credibility to listen to you in the pulpit. And that's so good. And I hope that's an encouragement because I'll just say one brief thing about that. You're right. We could go into a whole different podcast, but one brief thing about that is so many pastors who who agree with us about the text. They believe in expositional preaching. But they hear the idea of biblical counseling and, and it makes them nervous. Like, you mean I'm the one? I, I don't. How am I going to study the text, right? My 20, 30 hours a week and and then do all this counseling. What you just described was one of the, the critical points is to say, you don't have to engage in every aspect of counseling, right? Is you engage and then you can empower other leaders to, to now walk alongside those folks. Um, but it gets you engaged in the ministry on that level. And that does change the way in which you you preach as well. So, uh, and then you're multiplying yourself in that process, and so it actually um, divides the workload, to be honest, um, appropriately in, in the way that we see happening in the scripture. So, man, this is encouraging to me. I, I think you know for us to just think about the beauty of preaching, because you know when I talk about counseling ministry, some people may get the impression that that we're denouncing or you know bringing preaching the the proclamation of of the word on a Sunday morning as being central down. Please never, ever, ever hear that. I love the way that you just described that is is you are called to preach the word, but also shepherd the flock and what it means to be a pastor. Let's think about that in, in its full orbed expression, the way that the Bible describes it and uh, and highlight both where it's appropriate. So this has been great, Rick. I, I've, I've appreciated this and I know so many of our pastors are going to be encouraged uh, by our discussion here. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. 
I'm so delighted with the discussion that we've had even today and uh, the way we've talked about the, the beauty of the preaching ministry of the Word. And man, the, the Word of God is so effective. And, and when you are able to sit and, and listen to elders who are faithfully preaching expositionally through the Word, man, you are convinced that the Word is so necessary and unbelievably sufficient um, and wildly effective. And uh, it, it calls the church to do soul care together led by those who shepherd us. And what a beautiful thing. In fact, I should remind you at this point that, that we're going to be talking about this very thing at our annual conference coming up in October uh, 4 through 6 in Charlotte, North Carolina. O Church Arise, Reclaiming a Culture of Care. And I truly believe that as the Word becomes the centerpiece of churches through the preaching ministry of the Word, that then filters out into every single aspect of the work of the church that God has instituted and commanded us to care well for each other. And, and that is the domain of the church. That's our responsibility that God has given. And my prayer is that we would you know, even build from this podcast and the things that we've talked about here in seeing the beauty of God's church and the methods that he's given us uh, through the word, our dependence upon it and the power of the Holy Spirit to truly care for our souls well. We're going to be talking about that issue at our annual conference, and you don't want to miss it. And I, I'll remind you now that uh, there's an in-person option and an online option. Of course, we would love to have you in person in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, but we understand um, that you may need to, to join us online, and that would be great too, just to, to catch the teaching that you're going to hear as we exalt Christ, as we, as we exalt the work of His church uh, to be the institution of soul care. Uh, that he's commanded us to. You can find out more information about our annual conference, October 4th through 6th, uh, at our website, biblicalcounseling.com.